Welcome to the Final Score Network and the Final Score Podcast, presented by Team Anders Realtors. I'm Andy. He's former D3 student athlete and co-host... Ryan! Find us on Podbean, the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at TheFinalScore35. There is always plenty to run through, but before we get to it, a word from our presenting sponsor. Team Anders' goal is to serve its clients in finding the home that best fits their needs and make the process simple and fun along the way. They are a team of people who will be in close communication personally taking care of your real estate needs through technology, marketing, and advertising. Team Anders has served thousands of clients over 30 plus years in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area, and are here to serve you today. Learn more at teamanders.com. Welcome sports fans. It is TFS pod number 77 about to go in the books. Quick by the way of intro, topics that we typically don't cover or won't be covering this week. So, who wins with two games left in the NBA series? I still think it goes seven. Ryan, I think you said six so originally. Six. six. Um, Boston's been looking good. They kind of fell apart last night. We'll see what happens. Kind of hope it goes game seven. If it goes to a game seven, I'll definitely watch. Although I did watch, I think it was game four because that was a pivotal game. Next question. Will Tampa get the three-peat? And does their dominance make Detroit Red Wings fans feel good about the future now that Stevie Y, who built that team, is in Detroit and building up the future in Detroit. And just a fun fact, college football is just 74 days away. Wild. Excellent. All right. That intro out of the way, let's go to the podium. Ryan, the lectern is yours. Uh, Don't normally talk NBA, but we're going to do it this week because there's been a lot of slander on my my personal favorite NBA player, Draymond Green, um, on ESPN, on Twitter, all this stuff, the slander, oh, he doesn't score, he's not important, he's a, he's a, you know, he's annoying, he's a crybaby, yeah, he might be a crybaby sometimes, but the dude's a winner, the dude can play, if it weren't for him, the Warriors would not be where they are right now, and they probably won't, wouldn't have some of the championships they have, scoring is not all that matters in basketball, this guy, last time I think he had 6.7 rebounds, 7 assists, he fouled out, but still he played good defense um, for the most part. So can guard one through miles. five. He can guard anybody. He's so valuable to his team the way he sees the game, the way he plays it, the way he talks. He makes sure everyone's in the right place, and everyone's like, oh, he can't score. He shouldn't be out there. All this stuff, that's enough. Did you say it about Dennis Rodman? Nope. Every championship team he has won. a glue guy, period. Period. Yep, I'm tired of hearing it. He's one of the most just underrated players, honestly, in this generation because he doesn't score and he does everything, all the little things, passes, he rebounds, he talks, all this stuff. Like I said, I can't stand the the slander and needs to stop because he is so valuable to that team. Um, it's it's unbelievable. And people don't see that. They just think scoring matters. Which well, is in the true. NBA, it feels like it. And in my guess is most of these people just don't like Draymond, the person or the personality. But look... He knows when to push buttons, and Steve Kerr has learned when to let him go, when to let him maybe get a tee, when to let him fire his team up. He's a winner. He's a proven winner. He's a glue guy, and he's why. Yes, Steph hits the threes, although not last night. Yes, Clay hits the threes. But when Draymond was not healthy earlier this year, they faltered. When he's been healthy, they're a championship team. Enough said. All right, my podium, a little different, not political this week. I'll avoid the swearing as well. Will recruiting ever be the same again? And I ask that question because, first of all, it's probably rhetorical because the answer is no. I mean, look everywhere, NIL, et cetera, et cetera. But here's the thing, what I'm getting at, and I love Coach Tucker. I love Michigan State. I love what they're doing from a recruiting trail, three or four four stars in the last week or so, lots of guys that are on on the cusp of signing four or five stars. I mean, handfuls more than in ever – before in any recruiting cycle, to be honest. Um, But here's what I mean by will recruiting ever be the same. You know, the pictures with high-priced cars, the big gold medallions, the, you know, 
all that stuff. And I get it. NIL is here at least for the short term and it's what kids want today. But when did we get to the point where we're even kind of basically monetizing the recruiting game? It's it's a it's about one upsmanship and I get it, that's part of recruiting to an extent, but whatever happened to picking a school for the school? You know, when Ryan was being recruited, now not Division One, but, you know, for basketball between some D2, D3, and NAIA, we always said, pick the school that you'd want to go to if you got injured and couldn't finish. So, you know, there weren't cars involved. There weren't gold chains. There weren't money bags. There weren't, I mean, they're not money bags at Michigan State, but you know what I mean with NIL. And it's it's just kind of, it's puzzling and it's disappointing to watch because I guess I'm old school, but I think of it like, pick the school and if you're not even going to pick the school for the school at least pick the school for the coach maybe and coaches leave so i get why you may, but maybe you should pick it for the school too but picking it because you got the coolest picture in your recruiting visit or because you got to you know wear such and such or go to such and such i mean whatever happened to the good old days and i'm going to leave names out of this but a couple of my boys who played at michigan state know exactly who i'm talking about if you listen to this particular podcast Whatever happened in the days where you brought a recruit to Deja Vu in East Lansing? And maybe you lost the recruit because you took him to Deja Vu in East Lansing. But, I mean, seriously, it was simple back then. It was simple not that long ago. And it's going to get to the point where it's just going to be, you know, dollar over dollar over hand over fist. And it's like, when is it going to stop? Nobody's going to pick a school. And it's going to keep this whole charade and tirade and any other aid you can think of of Parade would be the best word for for guys leaving schools because they're not committing for the right reasons. Commit to the school, commit to the coach, commit to the program, commit to the teammates, guys that you want to go to battle with, be in the trenches with. I hope we get back there someday. Sadly, I fear those days are gone. I feel like college football, college basketball has basically become uh, the pro minor leagues for sure, uh, more than it ever has been. And I don't know. I'm just disappointed for one. So that's my podium for the week. All right, since often I've been, at least the last couple, I've been doing the tee-up this week, Ryan did the research and is going to do the tee-up. So, Ryan, who are we teeing up and why? Well, a guy that we've given a lot of praise to, um, you know, in the last year and a half since we've done this podcast, but lately he's taken a lot of criticism and we're going to give him more heat this week. Phil Mickelson, um, his live tour bullcrap, um, you know, that's been going on here for, for a long time, and he had his press conference yesterday um, at the U.S. Open, and it was very uncomfortable from what I read. He was kind of standoffish. He's, you know, he's got this new look going, greased back hair, kind of a scruffy look. He looks kind of dirty. He's not wearing any brands except for his own. Because he doesn't um, have any more brands. Yeah, seriously. So he's he's making these comments about the live tour and, you know, and how the, and it's just ridiculous. Let, let's see, I'm trying to, like he, he's basically, people are saying he's a sellout, which he obviously is, and he's, you know, he's just making these comments and, and all this stuff. It's it's quite ridiculous. Um, you know, he's, he's brushing off this 9-11 people, um, you know, that are mad that they're playing. Um, these Americans are playing in the Saudi-backed thing um, when they're trying to sue the Saudis for their for their you know, involvement in 9-11, some of the people involved. Um, and he's just acting like a complete dick, to be honest. And, and it was just very uncomfortable. And, you know, this is a guy that is beloved by many, including us. You know, I've lost – I mean, I, I still think he's a great player, all that stuff. But I've, I've just disappointed in him um, and, and, you know, the way that he's gone about this. Yeah, you can have disagreements with the two or all this stuff, but – uh, you don't have to act like a child, and that's what he's been doing. Selfishness months. reigns here, and I don't know if it's because of you know rumored major gambling things or whatever, but this is not the same Phil that you know I grew up loving more than Tiger, and you know lo- lovable loser in some cases, all those runner-ups at the U.S. Open and the so close yet so far's. Um, you know the way he won the PGA, man. He has dropped off the face of the earth because of this. And he is, he's got a shovel. Actually, no, he's got a bulldozer, a backhoe. And he is just digging himself deeper and deeper and deeper. And I don't know if he's ever going to get out of it. So, Phil, do yourself a favor. Fire your PR guy. Get a new one and shut the hell up. <laughs> That's all i got to say about that. Yep. All right, for our four, we're going four downs again this week, as we will for most of the summer until we get to college football, which is not very far away. Not too long before we get into to our Big Ten previews and all that good stuff. 
So we'll start as we've been the last couple weeks with uh, first down being a hodgepodge, kind of what's on your mind. Um, I did a little bit of research myself today, and I have kind of three things, and as we typically do, we can kind of throw them out there, chat a little bit about them, get the other person's take on them, and, and vice versa. Don't know, Ryan, if you have three things necessarily, but first one to throw out there for reaction. Uh, saw it today on The Athletic. Ryan actually first brought it to my attention. Gonzaga and Michigan State in talks for an air, to play on an aircraft carrier on Veterans awesome. Day, 11-11. Bring it back. Um, that would be fantastic happy birthday chris would be number 50 i think we would have to go to that for your 50th birthday um down in san diego kind of like they did with carolina but for goodness sake do not invite biden harris pelosi or any other political figure of that ilk or i might disown michigan state not really but might like i did disown the lions for drafting aiden hutchinson so I don't know. I think I thought that was pretty cool when they did it the last time. I think the court played out pretty well. It's maybe a little bit slippery, but not bad. I know other games have there maybe been one other one on a boat. Uh, maybe some games that have been canceled. Obviously, are at the whim of the weather. But in November, in San Diego, it's pretty nice. It's in the 60s. As long as the humidity is low, seems like a good good deal and and great for TV. And a, and you know you know Izzo and Mark Few are both big time Patriots. They're going to celebrate you know the troops in in America the way that it should be. So. I'd be all down with that. Yeah, I think it'd be really cool. I obviously saw it on 11-11-11, so it'd be 11 years to the yeah, day. Yeah, 11-11-22. Um, crazy. Uh, but yeah, such a cool idea. Hopefully the weather would be better this time. I think it was too humid last time. There's people slipping all over the court. Yeah, it was a little slippery. Um, I remember. Still would be awesome. I think Michigan State would probably We get have a great s- picture, I think. Probably get smoked, but um, that's beside the point. It's a good idea. Yeah, definitely a good idea. All right, so another one, Michigan State-related. Saw this today, also on The Athletic. Got my attention, so I read it. I am, you know, disclaimer, I am not a WWE guy. I'm not a fake wrestling. I'm not a wrestling person in general. Never got into it. Not when I was a kid, not as an adult. Don't understand why it's on TV all the time, but it's a crazy market, and I've been seeing more and more of this buildup of how um, they want to use NIL to, like, build their future. So smart on WWE. It's a business venture, but what got my attention was, Michigan State tight end Malik Carr signs WWE NIL deal with eyes on possible pro wrestling future. So here's the thing. If you don't know who Carr is, he's a two-sport guy. He transferred to Michigan State from Purdue. Um, He's a a tight end, converted wide receiver. Um, Also played on the basketball team, although I don't think he logged any minutes. Phenomenal athlete. Big dude. He's like kind of built like Zion, really. I mean, in a way, maybe not quite as freakishly athletic, but... On Monday, he was named one of 15 college athletes named to WWE's second next-in-line NIL class. Um, Features athletes from 14 schools and seven sports. Um, And the thing is, is, so yes, they're going to get paid in five figures. So, you know, modest, I think, by some standards, as we talked about NIL-wise. But the program isn't like a normal NIL deal, and this is what it is. So it's not about him promoting WWE. They do that just fine with their. They have an audience which I would say is niche, but is not really niche because there's a lot of weirdos, in my opinion. Sorry if you like WWE. I think it's weird, so we can all have our own opinion. Uh, There's a lot of people who love WWE and they live to watch that, males and females. And so what they're doing is. You know, using the marketing opportunity, yes, but it's not like Carr is, you know, the face of Michigan State at this point. Hopefully he has that kind of a breakthrough season. But this is more about the WWE building for its future. They're going after great college athletes who, as Carr said, maybe football doesn't work out for him. You know, likely basketball is not going to, but maybe... You know, there's not a long term. Maybe he, you know, washes out and never is a, an NFL guy. It's a job, right? Right out of school, it's a job. It's entertainment. It's it's a lot of money for these guys, and that's the kind of NIL deal that I, I feel a little bit more comfortable with because it's kind of like it's a future deal, right? He's getting paid a little bit of cash now, probably more than he should be to be honest to market something that doesn't need help. But it's kind of a quasi foot in the door going forward, which is the kind of a smart business deal for a student athlete. He's setting himself up for the future, not just financially, but with actually potentially, quote unquote, if you want to call it a job, a job. I think it's kind of yeah, cool. I don't know. I think it is cool. I like it. I mean, it's it's just it's different. I, it's different. It's unique. And it's I'd, I'd like to see NIL go more that way, where it's kind of a two-way deal. Yes, you get paid a little bit of money for marketing, not six figures, not even maybe more than 25000 should be probably a cap. 
but where it's a two-way deal where you can get something out of it in the future so you can build your future because that's what college is supposed to be about for these athletes is building their future and for most of them 98% of them it is not going to be a pro future of any sort whether you're playing overseas or you're playing in the U.S. or you're playing the USFL and football or Canada football league or whatever you know set yourself up for a job that's the kind of thing that sets yourself up for a job which I think is a good thing so last thing on my hodgepodge list and then we'll see um what uh, Ryan might have on his list is the Big Ten media rights. What should they do? We talked about this. I think I brushed it on a little bit. It's, you know, Michigan or not Michigan State. Michigan State deals are what they are. But the Big Ten's deal, the last deal that Jim Delaney made was smart and it was shorter, right? So Fox has the majority stake in the Big Ten network. The Big Ten currently is spread across Fox and BTN, obviously, and ESPN, ABC. So the question is, and, and ESPN, ABC owns, they own the ACC. They're soon to own completely the SEC. Um, don't know what they're going to do with the Big 12. Don't know. About the, <laughs> Captain agrees. Not not sure what they're going to do with the Pac-12, per se. Um, but what, where should the Big 10 go? So CBS is on the table. They're going to lose the SEC and that daytime 3.30 slot to ESPN ABC as of 2024. Um, NBC only has Notre Dame. They're looking for a new color guy because Drew Brees just stepped down from NBC. NBC's been dicey-ish for that kind of stuff in the past. You know, NHL went to NBC for a while and ESPN stopped showing their highlights. So there's a, there's the risk there, I guess. Um, do you spread the love and go across it? Do, Amazon Prime is interested in a game a week. Do you go the streaming route? Will you alienate fans who still are connected to cable TV or satellite TV? Most everybody has Prime, but sometimes there's more money to it. I, you know, I don't know. It's a lot. It's an interesting thing to look at. But the Big Ten is about to get paid. I mean, we're talking like the Big Ten rights will go for as much, if not close to, maybe even more than the SEC rights. Personally, my take is I would love to see the Big Ten give their premier choice every week to CBS and then keep the rest on Fox and the Big Ten Network because I think that's a, a partnership that you don't want to get rid of. Obviously, Big Ten Network set the kind of standard for league networks. Um, and then if you want to, in some way, shape, or form, still give ESPN ABC a, a chance. Maybe you, you know, Maybe you still give them, you know, Michigan, Michigan State, or Michigan, Ohio State, or, or one or two big games just to kind of keep it so you're not getting shut out of the highlights package. I don't know that that's going to be that big of a risk because of the footprint of the Big Ten, but that's personally what I would like. I'm not a fan of ABC, ESPN. I got rid of my ESPN app. I don't like what they stand for. I don't like that whole Disney connection. I don't like any of that garbage. I don't like I don't like any of their talk shows anymore. I, I like nothing on ESPN. I don't watch Sports Center. I watch the bare minimum of what I have to if my teams are on there. So I personally wouldn't care if they didn't show their highlight packages because I think the Big Ten would do just fine on its own. I vote CBS, Fox, Big Ten Network. Yeah, go from I there. I like that. Those are my. I'd probably stay away from NBC. Um, NBC. Although it'd be interesting, you know, what if they spread the spread the love and CBS got first choice and it was the three thirty game and NBC got second choice and it was an, a weekly night game and then BTN Fox got you know the rest of the choices. That might not be such a bad thing either. I mean, you're definitely going to get sole spotlight, so lots of choices. I don't know, Ryan, if you have any other takes on that. but No, that's really cool. Um, this is another hodgepodge thing that's funny. Lloyd Carr's grandson's going to Notre Dame. Yeah, how does that feel, Lloyd? You know, I don't know if he was ever a Michigan lean, and sometimes those legacy guys want to get out of the shadow of something else right? You know, to go there. But great quarterback from Celine, five-star quarterback. Yeah, very um, good. You know, so that'll be definitely interesting. Anything else on your mind from a hodgepodge perspective? No, I don't think so. Um, no, I'm trying to think. Um, no, there's nothing. NBA draft soon. Maybe we'll talk about that. Next. I don't even know when that is. Is it probably a couple weeks away? It's probably in July, knowing the NBA. Like, let's extend the season as long as possible when nobody cares. Um, but, yeah, that, that'll that be interesting, too. And it'll be interesting to see where some of these guys from Michigan, Michigan State, some other Big Ten guys that stayed in the draft that were borderline where they end up. All right. Next weekly bracket. Um, let's see. What did we do? Oh, we did ice cream flavors last week. So yep. we've been mixing pop culture with sports, with 
whatever. This week it's back to sports. This is born out of a, a text that my buddy Chris sent me with the top, my remember it was four or five Michigan State players of all time. Ryan didn't know that we were going to do this, so we are doing a bracket of best Michigan State basketball players. Right. So this this could be an interesting one. So in the 70s and before bracket, I broke this down by decades, so I'm sure I left guys out, and we can debate that. Number one seed, Magic Johnson against number four seed, Jumpin' Johnny Green, both in the rafters. Yeah, Magic's got to take it. But Jumpin' Johnny Green, I mean, he averaged like 18 and 18 or something like that. So. Yeah, he was a rebounding fiend back in the 50s, and I'm Michigan State's first Final Four team. i got to go with uh, Magic as well, though. Um, and playing the winner of number two seed, Special K, Gregory Kelser, and number three seed, Jay Vincent. A couple of stalwarts in the 1979 yeah. National uh, Championship I'll go team. Special K. I thought that you were going to throw in uh, as a surprise instead of Jay Vincent, Terry Furlow. Yeah, Terry Furlow is a good one. One of the best all-time scorers in Michigan State history. Uh, a guy that a game. people don't talk much about because he, I think he did play for Ganakis, didn't he? Yeah. Or maybe, yeah, maybe a little like bit on Judd. Yeah, he was a crazy scorer. Um, could have gone that way, but but Jay Vincent was uh, he's in the rafters as well. So we have we had to go with Jay Vincent. So, but anyway, we both took Special K there. Special K was one of those guys who I think he gets a little overshadowed by you know playing with Magic. Although he made Magic and Magic made him, so it was kind of a, a package deal. It's why we won the national championship in '79. But Special K is a phenomenal player and a great TV commentator for that matter. All right, going to the. 80s. Oh, we got to finish this bracket. Magic, Magic versus Kelser. Yep, Magic. Um, all the way. How can you not? All right, 80s bracket. Now these are guys that might have straddled a decade. Is well, the first guy you'll notice, and it's just the same in the 90s. Uh, but they started their career in the decade that they're going. So f- number one seed Steve Smith against number four seed and NBA underrated NBA. Not legend isn't probably the right word, but long timer Kevin Willis. When did he play for Michigan State? Played for Michigan State in the early eighties. I'll go Smitty, but I, I know he played for the Hawks for a while. Then he played for, for the Hawks for most of his career. Yeah, he was he was a he was a glue guy too. So another fantastic one. Um, and facing off against the winner of the two seed Scotty Skiles against number three seed Stan, Sam Vincent. Back to back phenomenal point guards. Both played in the NBA. Um, played together. Both Michigan bit. State legends. Yeah, they played one year together. Yep. I'll Scott Skiles would have been. I got to go with Scotty too. I saw him when I lived in Indiana playing in high school. Uh, it lit up Gary. It, that was back in the day where it was one class final and you played your semis in the finals on the same day. I remember the story of Judd going to watch him and he's like, What am I looking at? They're like, Just stick around. And then he just went off in the in championship game or something like that. I mean, it, phenomenal. If they had the three-point line his entire career, he might be Michigan State's all-time leading scorer. Probably Michigan State's best ever trash talker, too. I'm talking about you, fat boy, Antoine Jobert. So i got to go Skiles um, there as well, though Sam Vincent is sneaky good um, on his own. So Smitty and Scott Skiles. Uh, I'll go Scott Skiles. Ryan's going to go Scott Skiles. Man, this is a hard one because Smitty, he kind of like got Michigan State back to – set a standard for where they became under Tom Izzo. Um, uh, never mind all the philanthropic stuff he did and, you know, first huge donor to Michigan State until Draymond came around um, from an athlete perspective. Another really good commentator, kind of a, um, a unicorn, a six seven six eight you know, point guard that could play a little small forward, uh, had range. You know, he was a, a screw job against Georgia Tech in the 1989-90 Sweet 16 away, I think it was Sweet 16, away from getting them to probably likely, they would have played Minnesota in the Elite Eight, who they'd already beaten twice that year, so likely would have gotten smashed by eventual national champion lost, you know, UNLV in the in the finals that year, or in the Final Four that year, but, um, you know, he was he's sneaky good from a winning perspective too. I'm going to go with Smitty. As much as I love Skiles and have a vintage Skiles jersey, much to the chagrin of Mom and Rachel, but um, good choice by Ryan to give me that. All right, 90s bracket. Number one seed, again, this is where you're going to get a little bit of carryover for when they started or majority played. Number one seed, Mateen Cleaves against number four seed, Charlie Bell. Oh, dang, that's tough. Mateen... 
Yeah, Charlie Bell is just one of those, like, almost kind of a... He's a unicorn in and of himself because he could score, he could defend, he could rebound. He kind of set the standard for the kind of guard that Izzo likes. Could He, he stepped in and played point guard when Mateen went down in, two, in 99-2000. Um, and he could, I mean, he could score buckets when he needed to. He was a great scorer, a good shooter, good mid-range game. It was hard for me to even put him in the four seat against Mateen. And how can you fight against Mateen? He won the last national championship for Michigan State and consummate leader. So I'm going to go Mateen. Facing off against number two seed Sean Respert versus number three seed Mo Pete. That's tough. Uh, I'll go I'll go Respert. Yeah, I, man, I'm, I'll tell you, I love Mo Pete. Arguably, he's as much of the reason as Mateen and why Michigan State won a national championship in 2000. But, I mean, I was there. Sean Respert's career was, you know, coincided with my four years at Michigan State. And I think he's the leading. Is he the all-time leading scorer at Michigan State? I think he might be. He's he's right up there. I mean, I, I saw it with my own eyes. And that dude could shoot. And if he hadn't gotten stomach cancer... Who knows, um, you know, where his NBA career would have gone. He's, you know, doing well in the in the, kind of the coaching ranks now. I got to go with Respert. Respert was just, he was money. I remember a game, I think it was our senior year, went for 30 in the second half at Michigan to beat Michigan. Um, just just a nails type of guy. All right, so Ryan, that's for both of us, Mateen against Respert. Mateen. So Ryan's got Mateen. Man, it's hard to argue that, but I'm going to go a little upset here. I'm going to go with Respert. Um, for me, no offense, Mateen, love you. Again, you're a big reason why we won. Uh, you got us going on the map with Izzo, but I got to go with Respert, my boy from my era. And then the 2000s and beyond bracket: number one seed Draymond Green against number four seed Miles Bridges. Well, we didn't pick. Do I, oh yeah, I said Mateen. Um, wait, you said Draymond versus Draymond Miles. Draymond versus Miles. Oh, yeah, that's tough. This is really tough for me. Um, this is this is the harder bracket for Ryan and probably harder Draymond, for me to pick. I'll go Draymond. I love both of them. Just but. because this is more his his lifetime, um, and I, there's a lot of guys that could have been in here, so we can debate that if we want. But I'm going Draymond as well. Love Miles, but Draymond being a four year guy and a two time Final Four guy, I got to go Draymond. Um, number two seed Cassius against number three seed Denzel. Cassius. Yeah, guy. I, I love Donkey Teeth as we call him, Denzel. I mean, legendary Michigan State he player. Great. He was so good. And Carlton Valentine, his dad was a great 80s player too. But um, how can you argue against Cassius? I, I'm just sad that we never got to see that team, that team in you know the COVID year. Uh, you never know. Things have to happen and fall into place. So there's a little bit of luck when it comes to a Final Four run. I but, firmly believe they would have won. Or a natty it. run. But, man, Cassius was just – he was a gamer. And what he overcame, um, you know, with his brother and all that stuff, just phenomenal. Um Man, we witnessed his last game at at Michigan State, and it was it was it was a, a money game, and, and epitomizes why him. So that means for both of us, Draymond versus Cassius. I'm going Cash Money. Yeah, you know, if you base it off of like what they've done after, which I'm not, um, I would you'd have to say Draymond. But in, I think Cassius meant like if you take Draymond away, those are probably still good Michigan State teams. They're not great Michigan State teams without Cassius because point guards are are who make it go. So yep. i got to go with Cassius as well. All right, so we both have Magic. i got all point guards. You have them going against Scotty Skiles. Uh, Magic. And I've got them going against Smitty. i got to go with Magic as well. And probably not a real surprise there that Magic makes it to the finals. And then you've got Mateen against Cassius. Uh, it's tough. I'll go Mateen. And I've got Respert against Cassius. And but I'm going to stick with my boy. I'm going to go with Respert. I've got him this far. I'm going to go with Respert. And then Magic against Mateen. I'm going uh, Magic. And i got to go with the Magic man, Trust too. I mean, you, you can't. He, he, you know, he was only a two-year Michigan State guy, but Michigan State won the national title with him in a game that we all know set the table for what college basketball is today. He and Larry Legend saved the NBA, honestly, um, and made it legendary to watch through the 80s and, and early 90s. Um, it's never been the same since. When you got a guy that transcends both levels and life, the way Magic is so philanthropic and stuff, um, 
he's just the face, he's the face of Michigan State. I got to go Magic as well. So I got a question in the sprint related to the rest of this, so we'll save the debate. But Some breaking news as we uh, do this podcast. Four-star Texas cornerback Jalen Braxton just committed to Michigan State. That's their seventh four-star recruit in this class. Third or fourth, fourth recruit from Texas, third four-star. And two of them are corners, too, Two right? of them are corners. That's big time because, that, as we all know, is Michigan State's weakness, or at least last year. So, guys to step right in, and they're big, you know that. So, you know, because Ronald Williams graduates out. Amir Speed is a 60-year player. Uh, they have a couple other young guys, but that's okay because then, you know, a couple guys this year that will be backups that will rise up, and then these guys can step in. So, our boy Mel, um, Ann Harlan probably, is a recruiter for, for DBs. So, yep. whoever is recruiting Texas – that's awesome to dip into a place where, you know, it was traditionally Texas teams and, and the Southern teams and maybe like an Ohio State, you know, for Michigan State to do that. That's that's pretty damn good. All right, moving on to um, spot number three or third down, as it will, this week. Mount Rushmore this week, best college quarterbacks. Now, I will say this with a caveat. This is up to, we'll each pick four, because I don't know that we, we would completely agree on four complete anyway. This is in the eye of the beholder. It could be best guys that also launched and had great NFL careers. It could have nothing to do with the NFL, because there's plenty of awesome college quarterbacks that were squat in the NFL. Um, it could just be guys that were great winners in college. It's really, it, stats guys, I mean, there's there's great stats guys, too, that weren't squatting in the NFL. That's how we're going to roll with it. Ryan, you get the first pick. I'm going solely on college um, production and you know winning all that stuff. No, no NFL stuff in here. Tim Tebow, you have to put him in there. Even mm. though he sucked in the NFL, he's, he's a winner. I and mean, he won a Heisman. He two won, national titles. Two national titles. Great leader. Played with literally a bunch of guys that are in jail or murderers or dead. Um <laughs> But yeah, he was, yeah. And look, a great whether you're pro wearing religion on your sleeve and wearing faith on your sleeve or not, um, you kind of carried the torch that Kurt Warner really kind of restarted with that, and you know, giving glory to God. And and Tebow was not afraid of that, and he's still not afraid of that. And I have a lot of respect for him because of that. Yeah, nothing pro wise, whether it's baseball, football, or in between. But and uh, as much as you might hate the SEC in Florida. He's a hell of a winner, so I can't argue with that. He was at the top of my list. But since you took him, I'm going to go with another guy with two natties before your time. Didn't amount to squat. I think he maybe played in the CFL. And this was before it was kind of in vogue to take really good college quarterbacks that weren't going to translate to the NFL. Um, This is before it was in vogue to try to change their position. Um, So this is why he probably never panned out in the NFL. And that's Tommy Frazier. Won two national titles. In Nebraska, right? In Nebraska, 94-95. Great option quarterback. A winner. Um, you know, along the lines of a, of a Tebow. You know, game did not translate to the pro level, but that doesn't matter. Um, played for the great Tom Osborne, and, and he was phenomenal. Um, so, for my second pick, i got to go with uh, probably Vince Young. Yeah. Um, still classic classic example of why you go with cable instead of the dish. I remember watching that national championship game. I think it was, what, 2006 maybe? USC, Texas in the Rose Bowl. USC scored late to take the lead. Texas was driving, and the slushy snow that was falling on, I believe that was New Year's Day, um, because that was BCS days, not the, you know, so the games were when the bowl games were. It's the Rose Bowl. Um, slushy snow clogged up the dish. I had to get out the super soaker. I'm outside in, you know, freezing my butt off while it's a heavy slushy snow trying to squirt gun the, you know, the dish two stories high clean. And I missed the game winning touch, excuse me, touchdown where Young ran to the corner of the end zone. Um, great winner, kind of a floppish in the NFL, certainly. But uh, yeah, he's, he's definitely on my list as one of the greatest college quarterbacks. Yeah, I had him as well. Uh, he only won, he had played two years, but one of his yeah, years one. was unbelievable. Yeah. Um, Joe Burrow. Oh yeah. Recently, on he had, I think he had the most touchdowns or something. I don't know. Someone he broke some crazy records. I know. I saw him in so a list good. doing research and of like top so ten good. ever, and I'm like, I don't know because it was just one year, and I like the longevity aspect. You know, old school guys like Steve Young or Ty Detmer or 
Jim Plunkett John or Elway. John Elway, guys that really Joe truly Mon- played I'd like four Joe years. Joe Montana as well. Yeah, I'll say Joe Montana. I'll do an older one, Joe Montana. All right, so he's your... No, I didn't watch him play. He played for Notre Dame, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Yeah, and you know, I don't... But back then, you know, college football wasn't what it is today. You you really got like a very few games. It were, they were national games, truly. You didn't. It was more common to have to listen to on the radio or go to games. You didn't couldn't just pick them up on any old channel. Every game now is televised, and back then it wasn't. So like when I was a kid, I didn't know Joe, Joe Montana was until he played for the Forty ers because college football wasn't what it is today. But that's a good pick. Um, so let's see. You got your second and third picks now. So I get two more picks. Yep. Uh, I'm going to go with Michael Vick. Put the dog oh, yeah. fighting stuff to the side, you know, Stud. which, you know, if you've ever watched the story, you can kind of get a feel for why that all happened, not to make it right because it's not right. But, I mean, he almost single-handedly beat Florida State in the BCS National Championship game. The dude had an absolute cannon of an arm. So he fast. He was so fast. And he actually, his game translated well. He was one of the first transformational quarterbacks that way to the NFL. Um, you know, he did well until he got in the whole dogfighting stuff and then everything blew up on him. But um, just electric to watch. And he really probably, minus, you know, our Hokie fans out there, he put Blacksburg and Vatek on the map um, and made them a quasi, you know, team to pay attention to nationally, which maybe they have or haven't earned and continued to earn. But that's because of Michael Vick. So I'm going to go Michael Vick for my third pick. Boy, man, there's so many great choices for fourth pick. I'm going to go another guy who was just kind of a he was a he was a stud in college, not a game that translated um to the NFL because of his size. Gamer though, played some in the NFL, had great success in the CFL, and that's Doug Flutie. I still remember watching in my grandparents' basement on Thanksgiving Day him throw a Hail Mary to beat Miami, the U, um, down in the Orange Bowl when Miami was like in their 80s reign of terror. Just phenomenal. War number 22. He had a drop kick extra point once in the NFL for the Buffalo Bills. I mean, uh, I got to go Doug Flutie for my my fourth best. Nice. Um, I'll go back to new school. Lamar Jackson, his 2016 season was... Wow, unbelievable! Oh. And, and another he's really good the next year too. Yeah, and another guy they thought about. You know, well, yeah, it really translates. Game make translates, and it translates. I mean, it took a little bit of time, but they gave him time to kind of get the nuance down. And yeah, they haven't looked back. I mean, he needs probably a little more support around him, but he's he's electric. He's fun to watch. So that was a that was a good Mount Rushmore. If you have topics, we asked for a mailbag last week. Send them our way. We're always looking for new Mount Rushmores to talk through, especially in the summertime. All right, and that leaves us with spot number four, which will be our lengthiest down of mm. the week, and that is with the U.S. Open approaching. Tees off Thursday morning at the country. What do they call the Country Club of Brooklyn? Of, of uh, but is it the Country Club of Massachusetts or Boston? Is the yeah. original name, aka Brookline. Um, we'll get into the preview there. We're gonna kind of cover our normal stuff, so we'll, we'll save the U.S. Open chatter for last because that'll be the big thing. So Ryan, first. Just give us a quick update on how we did last week in the, uh, for the RBC. Yeah, last week at the pretty good R- week for both of us. Yeah, I picked uh, Mr. Rory McIlroy and Tony Finau, so first and second place. Hard and to beat that. Fitzpatrick and Varner, who combined to finish twenty third, so we both had a really good week. That means I picked one, two, picked five winners so far this year, and you have picked one. Yeah, unlike last year when I had I had a hot streak. I haven't with the put winners. a lot of. I haven't really bet on anything, but this um, was last, this. last week was the first time I bet in a while, and I you know had a little bit of money on Fitzpatrick and on Varner. So it was and Fitzpatrick was right right up there at the top the first couple of days, and then he he didn't necessarily fall back as much as Rory. I mean, he shot like a sixty two on the last round. So Rory, that was a good ending. That was a really good really, tournament. Really Rory, uh, JT, and uh, Tony all played played well there, and. Um, had good weekends, so that was cool. All right, so I got a couple questions of the week for you this week, Ryan. And this relates a little bit to our tee-up, um, but we'll add a couple of the guys in there. Given what we know after one week of the Live Tour, which I did not watch, I heard, uh, I think it was Chris was telling me that like it was all over the place, it felt unprofessional, I know they had a rules run-in because they weren't really all geared up for the rules official stuff. 
shotgun starts, 54 holes, all that stuff aside. Will you ever root for Phil or DJ or Ricky? Because it's rumored that Ricky's going to. I don't know if I can, honestly. For what them being, it's all they say. Oh, grow the game. It's all that's all. Yeah, that's not grow the game. Here's why it's not grow the game. Plus twenty four was last place in the first event. Plus twenty four, and that won money. What one hundred twenty thousand dollars, right? So think about that. That's eight over a day. That's so. If, assuming those par seventy two, that's an eighty every day. Now I'm not saying that I could shoot an eighty in pro course conditions. No way. I'd shoot one hundred and twenty. But let's just say I could. Should I'd go join the LIV or Live Tour? I mean, that to me is ridiculous. And for DJ's at least taking the smart road, he's keeping his mouth shut. That's too stupid. He's kind of too stupid, but he also probably has a good PR guy. That's like Dustin. Just shut up. Because look at Phil over there. He is a, an absolute clown show. He's a circus. He's, like I said, he's using a backhoe to dig himself a, a hole to Saudi Arabia. I I have always been, you know, a huge Phil fan. Always been. And I got to say, I'm so disappointed. I, will, I won't necessarily root against him, but I'm never going to sit there and watch him and root for him again. Like, if, if this was... The PGA was going on this year that happened last year, and he had done this, and he was playing in it, you know, despite being on the live tour. I'd have been like, I hope he loses. Um, I just, it, again, we talked, embarrassing. we talked last week about guys like James Pyatt from Michigan State, the, you know, the U.S. amateur winner who, okay, shaky that he went, but understandable because it's guaranteed money for somebody that can set himself up. He doesn't have status on the pro tour. But for a legendary guy, one of the greatest, you know, probably top twenty, maybe top ten players of all time, Phil, to to do it and then to talk the way he does, um, don't give me this grow the game. You're not growing the game. You're, you're not. Well, you're telling people that you can suck and make a lot of money. I mean, that's not growing the game. And oh, by the way, based on like my TikTok tirade, which has gone to like a hundred thousand views. We don't need to grow the game. Ryan tried to call in Grand Rapids this week like six places to get tee times, and they've been booked for over a week. Like, I'm sorry, grow the game is great, but there's not enough golfers or golf courses for all the golfers that are out there, and half of them don't know how to fix ball marks, rake traps, drive their cart, play fast, so on and so forth. If growing the game is what you're saying you're doing, you're growing it the wrong way. You're bringing in people the wrong way. You're doing it, and you're you're taking money from dirty ass people Phil I'm sorry you're out you're you're not on my you're not on my fan favorite list anymore and it'd be tough to say because I've always liked Ricky he's you know I've never obviously never been a you know gotten over the hump and won the big one he, he'd gotten better this year but if he leaves I gotta say the same thing like I, I I just can't you know it just seems like too nice of a guy to do that and he doesn't need to do it none of these guys need to do it minus maybe the amateurs but and then DJ, I've never really cared for him anyway. He's dumber than a box of rocks. But, yeah, my answer to that is a fat no. We'll never root for them again. Um, so next question, because it's got to be a little bit of, of a more fun question and a, and a non-controversial thing, I guess. Would you rather walk 18 in a day with a caddy? Let's just say we'll pick a course. Uh, we'll say Arcadia Bluffs. Would you yeah. ra- rather walk that and get to play 18 and have a caddy so you're no carrying, you got a caddy the whole time, or play the same course in the same day, 36 holes, but ride. 36. That's tough. I'm getting old, first of all. 36 in a day is, is getting tough. Um, I would probably, maybe throw out Arcadia Bluffs, because Arcadia Bluffs, let's pick one we've never played. Arcadia Bluffs, I guess I'd probably say 36 too, just to play it twice. Let's say Whistling Straits. You've never played it. Yeah, I'd, you got to do caddy didn't in eight and eighteen, or I'd, you can find your way around. Of course, I haven't played like that. I'd probably do eighteen because it would probably whip my butt, and I know Arcadia a decent amount. So yeah, so maybe you do eighteen with a caddy on Saturday, and you go thirty six in a cart on Sunday. Yeah, there I you guess. go. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, we've talked a little bit about the live tour stuff. We've said enough about that. Let's get into the U.S. Open. So I'm going to read a little bit of a of a preview. Um, I borrowed some of this from the Athletic. So. Um, just good factoids, so it's not like it's copyrighted per se, but um, either way, I gave you credit. So, the 2022 U.S. Open starts Thursday at the Country Club in Brookline, Massachusetts, amid a mountain of controversy in the golf world. We've talked about that. 
but you've heard plenty on that, so let's jump into the need to knows. The Country Club is one of the five original golf clubs that helped found the USGA. It's a throwback golf course that has a number of blind tee shots. The fairway, fairways are predictably tight. I think I saw a TikTok the other day of somebody like throwing a ball from the back side of the fairway to the landing area on a particular hole, and there's such a mound that if you hit it just in the wrong spot, even right in the middle of the fairway, it'll roll into the water. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's nuts. Um, the course is particularly known for very small greens that require deft iron play to hold consistently. There's nothing wrong with making par this week, which is how a U.S. Open should go, in my opinion. I like to see scores around even. Um, it'll be an interesting test for the best golfers in the world and could provide a template for more challenging golfer professionals as they continue to gain distance off the tee. I think that's how you make these courses better. Don't keep making them longer to the point where we're 8,200 yards. Keep them at 71, make it a par 70, but make it so they have to make decisions and they just can't bomb it out. Can't you can go like Bryson. More than 25% of the field qualifies, which is unique uh, for the U.S. Open, through qualifying, which makes it super unique. You know, it's not just a, you know, get in because you got exempt or whatever. Like, you, a quarter of the field got in because they won in qualifiers. Um, as we know, live players are eligible. Um, there's plenty more about it, and we'll get into it, but I'm excited. I love the U.S. Open anyway. Mm-hmm. I love a course like this where I saw a tic- I sent it to Ryan today at TikTok where the ball literally, like he, it was just like a from waist high drop down into a spat of rough, and the guy is like digging around with his hands just to find where it went. Like to me now, I wouldn't want to play that way because we don't have spotters and we'd lose a million balls. But I want to see the toughest players in the world challenged. I want it to be hard on them because I think. It's a test of mental toughness. It's a test of shot making. It's a test of their ability to think their way through the game. Um, there's too many courses that it's just like hit it as far as I can, get it out of the rough. I can hold a green and whatever, and that's not going to be the case here. And I think that's how you find your best golfers. And quite honestly, sorry Phil, but it's probably why you never won because you're not enough of a thinker and you're more of a I'm just going to go blindly and go for it. Part of what made you lovable, part of what made you lose all those times. Um, all right, Ryan, give, a, give me some of your thoughts on U.S. Open, and we'll, we'll talk some more about some of the details. Yeah, I'm excited to see how this plays. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I want it to be difficult, but not, you know, like a plus 10 finish. I, I think it'll be closer to par. Um, you know, it's, it's obviously challenging. It's The greens are really small, very hilly. You know, it's, it's different terrain, a little rocky around there, um, pretty tight um, from the looks of it, and some, some water out there, so... Yeah, I'm honestly just looking forward to it. I'm, I'm interested to see how the the uh, Boston fans, um, you know, act around these live guys. If they give them a oh, crap, yeah, they're going to heckle point. them. Um, you know, if the PJ Tour, if the, the USGA lets, you know, these people actually heckle them and not throw them out and stuff like that. It should mm-hmm. be interesting to see what happens there. And what happens if one of those guys in the mix, say a DJ or, a, you know, Bryson, um, you know, is up there in the mix, what happens with that and if they end up doing well. Um, I honestly don't think any of them are going to do great. Um, but, yeah, super excited for this. Um, no Tiger, obviously, which is sad, but he's got to get that leg healthy. He wants to probably play at St. Andrews, mm-hmm. which would probably, he'd probably have a better chance of winning there, honestly, which because he won there before. And it's the 150th Open. So, yeah, super excited for this week. Um, I think there's a lot of guys that are playing really well and can contend. I mean, you, lo- you look at the, the tee sheet and stuff like that, I mean, it's – there's a lot of really good guys playing together. I mean, more Kyle and Rahm are playing with Piat. That's kind of cool little group. Scott, um, Spieth, Homa, um, you know, just, just overall a lot of really good groupings um, for Thursday and Friday and stuff like that. And the the history of Brookline with uh, Francis Wimet winning the 1913 U.S. Mm-hmm. Open. Um, movie the greatest game ever played sadly this is only the fourth u.s open yeah i haven't played many they played a Ryder cup there in 99 Mm -hmm. Um, famous one justin leonard dropped that bomb and it was a little controversial the way u.s celebrated and europe kicked their ass for a while yeah the u.s am was there um a few years who won the last one trivia question who won the last open at the country club yep in 1988 i think it was the second or the first of his his back-to-backs i believe yep uh, Matt Fitzpatrick won the U.S. Amateur there in, in 2013. Yep. Um, 
you know, there's some guys, some notable guys from that year: Corey Connors, Max Homa, Xander Schauffele, Justin Thomas, Scotty Scheffler, Cameron Young. All and the of, weather looks good experience. this week too. A little wind. Yeah, I, I like I said, I love courses that challenge. Like I thought the PGA this year challenged, and some of that was because of the weather, but that's okay. But Gil Hans helped the Country Club of, of Massachusetts or of Brookline kind of get itself right this year, just like he helped Southern Hills. Um, one thing that I'm really looking forward to, because I've kind of, this to me isn't like 230-yard, 260-yard, 245-yard par threes are just, they don't do it for me. Like on occasion, when we were members at Blythefield, I really did. I like the 230-yard hole over the river. Um, is typically downwind, so you could, you know, for somebody like me, I could maybe, and you're a little elevated, you could maybe catch a good three-wood and kind of roll it up there. Didn't usually have to hit a driver, but... Like I love the fact that one of the most interesting holes this week is the number 11. Um, it hasn't been used in the recent U.S. Open or a Ryder Cup, but it was part of the renovation, and it can be played as short as 110 and as long as 140 yards. It's a tiny green. It's well protected by bunkers and penalty areas. To me, that's a shot maker's hole. Um, any of these long hitters can hit a five iron 250 yards anymore into a green like that that's not challenging to a huge green make it tough you know it's kind of like number 17 at sawgrass that's a short hole but it's a small green and it's undulated and you know one mistake and you're gone and that that's what i'm looking forward to um the hole that i was talking about in this in this athletic article where the guy was dropping the ball from behind is number nine the right side um it's protected by a pond and the fairway slopes back towards that penalty area big time. Um, you know, so it's going to make people think. And again, that's what appeals to me here is par is a good score. Just like when Ryan and I go out, which by the way, I'm six Oh and one against him now. Bogue par is, is a really good score for us, but like bogey is our par, you know, in most courses, the way we play them, you know, with bogey being our par, like I love that par is par for these guys. Like it's, you know, birdie is a real reward, and you know I, I haven't thought yet. We'll probably talk about what wins it score wise. I don't know, probably what minus three, minus four, I'm minus six. Yeah, um, it kind of depends on the weather. If it's windy, you know, do they get any rain that makes the rough that much thicker? You know, there's all kinds of factors like, or is it humid which makes the rough that much thicker? Um, which you know sets us up because the field is is excellent, obviously. Um, there's a lot of guys that have potential to win this thing. Um, so let's go with our foursomes. All right. Well, do I get to go first because I picked a winner last week? Yeah, you go first. Hottest golfer in the world right now. He won last oh, yeah, week. We, we can have the same guys anyways. Rory McIlroy. His game fits this course. He's playing He's played well all year, to be honest. And he's, yeah, he's playing really well. I'm I like I like him a lot more than I used to, honestly. Yeah, I like how he's kind of throwing, you know, he's like throwing he's down and throwing telling Phil how it is and whatever. I, I have him in my foursome too. Rory's been on fire lately, you know. As much as Scotty Scheffler's been on fire too, I just think he's got he's got the experience now. Scheffler has the Masters this year, but if I was going to pick between those two, I got to go with Rory too. Grizzly, grizzled, seasoned veteran. Uh, so Rory's in my foursome. Um, next guy in my foursome is a guy who won there in 2013, and that's Fitzpatrick. I picked him last week. Not necessarily a huge fan of him particularly, but his game is suited for this. He played well in Canada. He played well the week before. So it's kind of like one of those, not not always do you have to be playing well going into the U.S. Open, but it certainly doesn't hurt. And this guy's got good experience at the course. So I got Fitzpatrick also in my foursome. Uh, PGA Championship runner-up, Will Zalatoris. He's a major fiend. Yep. I've got him in there as well. And here's why. He can stick his irons. Now his putting, his putting, his is, putting is was suspect. Um, his putting had him in contention in, in the playoff for the PGA. Um, but if he can putt like that with his iron game, he's got every bit of the shot as well. I would say. Yep. And then my fourth. I mean, you could go so many ways with this, but I think he's been playing well this year. But again, putting could be the shaky part, and that's Jordan Spieth. I think. I think he's due for another major. Um, you know, he's done well in the U.S. Open in the past. He's been playing pretty decently for the last, you know, six, eight weeks. I would go with – I'm going with Spieth as my fourth. Uh, my third, I'll say 
Yeah, you're a little third, wild card. You mean your fourth? No, I've, I said Rory Del Toro. That's all oh, I said. Sorry. Uh, my dark horse, Max Homa. Yeah, that's good. He played really well. He finished his best. His best major finish was at uh, Southern Hills. He's playing well lately. Has a couple wins this year. So yeah, I like him. And he, I heard him on a podcast earlier. Said he loves the fit, feel of this course and how he can play on it. So. That, and then the number one iron player in the world, Colin Morikawa. I think mm-hmm. with the small greens, he can get it there. Um, his putting is also so-so. Um, but the way he hits the ball um, with his irons, uh, you, can't, you can't sleep on him. Yeah, I took a look at him, too, just for the for the record. This is BetMGM, I think, is what uh, the athletic uses. but So the odds may vary a little bit. But just for context, Rory's plus 1,100, so he's the favorite. JT is right behind him. Neither of us picked him, but it wouldn't surprise me to see it him. Would in not there. surprise me to see. Rom's been at the top all along, but he hasn't played particularly well that that year, this year. Scheffler's right up there as another guy. He didn't make the cut at the PGA, but I could see him probably faring well. Cameron Smith, it's been a guy that I've liked all year. Has played really well. Um, you know, he's a guy that can putt really well, but he can get. A, he's been getting a little sideways at times lately with his irons. So I don't know. Cantlay hasn't played particularly no, he's well. Been bad this year. Shawflay's a guy that could definitely rise up. Those are those hey, guys are all five straight top tens in the U.S. Open. All those guys are plus twenty two hundred. Spieth is plus twenty five hundred. Zal Torres is plus twenty five hundred. Morikawa is plus twenty eight hundred. Fitzpatrick plus twenty eight hundred. Another guy who's been white hot of late has a win, the comeback win a couple weeks ago at the Colonial. Sam Burns, he's up there. Um, these are the top favorites: Hovland, Lowry, Finau, Kepka, Johnson. I don't see either of those guys contending, to be honest. Uh, Hideki, Neiman. Um, yeah, he's, he's an interesting one. He's player. a good iron player, and then Sung J M, the, the the bulldog himself. Um, not because he is a bulldog, but because he looks like a bulldog. All right, so yeah, it's it's going to be crazy. It's going to be fun. Um, it's one that I watch probably the tournament minus the Masters that I watch the most actual holes of you know over the course of four days it's the reason ryan was well he was being induced anyway but we held up going to the hospital for Kristen um when ryan was born the day after because i was watching Payne stewart be, beat beat phil so it's a special day it is you know u.s open always ends on father's day which is pretty cool um hopefully we'll find a place to play in grand rapids this weekend 18 holes to to get in our fill our own field like we're u.s open guys uh, and we'll talk about it more next week. All right, moving on to the sprint, as we always finish. Uh, Ryan, can an amateur pull off a Francis we met and win, not just this U.S. Open, we'll say, you know, U.S. Open here because he won it at Brookline, but and win a U.S. Open again? No. Don't think so? No. It's been, it's been close-ish um, for like a day or two, but I agree. I just don't. Unless somebody truly catches fire and they've got the perfect combo, I agree. I don't think, I don't think it'll be done again. Um, different time though. Um, half court and back. Will the Warriors clinch in six or does it go seven? Warriors are winning on Thursday night. I got to go in seven. I'm going to stick with my original. Ryan sticking with his original. Uh, far free throw line and back. This will make you think a little bit. Best Michigan State player that wasn't in that bracket of 16 guys. Um. So a guy that I left out that I. Hmm. That I cut out of the list. I mean, there's so it's many, really good. Um, so many good players at Michigan State. Um, we'll go. Huh, that's a stumper. Jeez. I'll go first. Caleb Lucas. Yeah, I think that's a great choice. Um, I was going to say another one, although he was one only a one-year guy, but J- um, Jaron Jackson. Yeah, he was also great. I think he would have been phenomenal if he stayed longer. A guy that wouldn't be in the top 16, but he's a, he's definitely probably a top 50 guy is Xavier Tillman. I mean, he was what he did at Michigan State. You got guys like Zach Randolph. He was a short-termer. Jason Richardson. I mean, there's so many potential great guys. Um, but Kalen Lucas, yeah, that's that's a really good one. Um, AP, RIP, he was a great one for four years as well. Um, we're, we're blessed that way and spoiled to have so many great players to choose from, that's for sure, because not a whole lot of people, not a whole lot of schools – Minus maybe Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, maybe Michigan, maybe UCLA could could actually field 16 guys that are that worthy of being the best player ever. All right, and final, long and back, better golf movie. We've probably talked about this before, but we're going to do it again in honor of this week. Greatest game ever played or The Legend of Bagger Vance? Greatest game ever played. Greatest game ever played. If you haven't seen it, watch it ahead of the U.S. Open. It's a It's the story of Francis we met. 
winning that 1913 Open at Brookline, and it is a great, great movie. All right, Ryan, closes out with any social media reminders? Yep, uh, follow us on Twitter, um, TikTok, all that stuff. On the like button, give us leave us a comment on Spotify, Apple Pod, whatever you listen on. Uh, send us what you want to hear. Um, but appreciate you guys listening. Yep, shout out again to our presenting sponsor, Team Anders Realtors. Jim, Donna, Tim, Sean, Liz, team, great, great people, uh, fantastic realtors. If you have realty needs here in the West Michigan area, look them up, teamanders.com. Meanwhile, as the course builders once answered the what's golf question from a young Harry Varden, golf is a gentleman's game, not for the likes of you.